0: And salutations! You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I am one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I am joined by my co-hosts Matt, aka Null, hey, Reed, aka Sick Robot, howdy doody, and Morgan, aka Spleenface. What's up? Uh, and in this episode, we will be covering evaluation of meta technology. So that's going to be. Uh, Card tech choices, teching against metas, and all that jazz. So, you know, we're without further ado, we're we're gonna try to make this episode expedient. Uh, let's just jump right into new developments. So, what has happened since the last episode, Morgan? Do you want to start? Sure.
1: We've actually had uh, it's been a reasonably eventful two weeks. Like a so, bunch, uh, yeah. First up, we have West Coast Commander, which is a new. Uh, competitively focused uh, edh gameplay channel with uh, some big names attached to it uh, like wedge who uh, if you know him from from discord or wedge uh,
0: not of the mana source, not wedge. of the
1: mana source, but he's <laughs> uh, had a hand in some big decks like uh, kes consultation and Razzicats um, and asm and they're uh, they're starting up with some pretty sweet gameplay vids so go and yes. check them out we'll make sure and to, uh, and you to might them. know
2: you might also know Wedge ASM from uh the, the Birthing, Pod. Birthing Pod podcast which is uh basically where we got the entire idea to do this and is like the original CDH wow. podcast They've I guess been along with like Fossil's a podcast in, but
0: indefinite yeah, hiatus indefinite
2: hiatus but they're back they're back doing more content so um, if you haven't listened to the Birthing Pod podcast, you guys should go do that because it still holds up and it's still great. Yeah, same also a bit dated, with, the, but with Fossil's podcast too. That's yeah. some good Fossil stuff podcast too. Yeah, and then Fossil's podcast. Yeah, so if you guys had listened to them before and want more of that content, um, go check West Coast Commander out because it's sick and you can you in and check them out. And next up, uh,
0: Morgan, you, you want to cover this one as well?
1: Sure, yeah uh so we had uh the ddm tournament last weekend. so that was a big charity tournament in uh, phoenixville pennsylvania and it sounds like uh they had huge turnout uh, i think it was more than 60 people entered and they had some big names like uh shaper and uh scotty knows mtg there are special guests and uh Sounds like it went uh, super well, and they had some pretty interesting decks in the top four, including a Heliod list, which is uh, pretty spicy. I mean, let's just
0: list the entire top four, because sure, it was a yeah. very spicy top four. Very spicy uh, top four. There was Heliod, Yisan, Una, and, uh, Tatiova. and Tatiova. And Tatiova
1: was the eventual winner, yeah.
0: Yeah very very interesting uh, results and you can check out uh, the tournament breakdown and retrospectives on that on the subreddit the CDH
2: subreddit I believe anyway yeah there should be one right Yes. yeah there's, uh, a, there's, few, multiple. there's a few there's, different there's, posts of it. yeah
0: because yeah. uh, I know the Heliod uh, guy did a breakdown of his tournament experience I think there's also yeah. one the for the tech
2: report published the day that we're recording this yeah
0: yeah, uh so that was that was interesting. I'd definitely suggest reading those to get the perspective from people who who you know came on top of this tournament with some really, really unique brews. Uh and next up, Reed, you can cover this one.
2: Uh sure. Yeah. So big release this recently this this week <laughs> this recently this, this like, like a day ago <laughs> it's, it's hard to it's hard to say in like relative terms um big release recently um before we recorded this episode um new resource slash website slash discord big thing um went public uh it's called the deck forge uh it is helmed by shaper because who else would helm a huge project like this um and then it's got a bunch of people uh helping out, uh making it, making it work, making it function. Um, but it's a uh it's basically just going it's looking to evolve into and it's starting off as a uh, as a resource to house like high, like the higher echelons of EDH uh power levels and the brewing for that kind of stuff, um, specifically. So just like making sure that there's a dedicated place for you know like new commanders to be brewed with and people to like talk out ideas for new decks and all that kind of stuff um and then eventually a bit down the road there will also be um a full website resource for uh helping to brew higher power level decks um i think we're going to have like full lists of um like full list and categorization categorizations of uh like different cards i believe is yeah, how it's going to work out. different different
1: yeah. uh card types they'll be yeah. lists and they'll be um you know they'll have all the information about the card and then also um certain tags to help find uh you know like if you're looking for say acceleration you know they'll be tagged by type but also like how much they net you and um some other useful information like how popular they are
3: yeah, I just so, want to highlight some like some specific wording. Um, uh, just giving deck help across the high power to max power spectrum. The aim is cordial, cooperative environment to enjoy to engineer wild ideas and optimize builds. So it's like really open to not just our community. I think to kind of anyone who's interested in in optimizing.
2: Yeah, it's just like it's it's really just a resource for anybody that wants to look into like just yeah you know, like building like the general deck building strategies that happen at like the like top-ish power levels of any format, right? And it's also yeah. it's been very useful for, for people eight.
0: who aren't like wizards on Scryfall yes. or who and don't also have massive like people, card knowledge.
2: People who are just like looking to maybe just like up their game a bit in casual metas or maybe their um, the power level of their local groups are ramping up a bit and they want a bit of help or they just want to check out a resource. Um, it, it, it's looking to be a bit more useful for that uh than edh rec or like more like general resources and if
1: if you've ever posted an optimization thread on the cedh subreddit and been told that your deck was too casual and you should go to r slash edh this might be the resource for you
2: yeah pretty much <laughs>
0: uh yeah and last but not least we have the metagame project uh Morgan, do you, you're you the most familiar with this, I think?
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, Squirrel Mob has started a data collection form uh, where after a game you go and report and he has some of the most popular meta decks listed or you can just list your deck as something off meta um, and you put in turn order, the decks people were on, and who won, and he's using that to uh, to do some analysis Uh, overall so we just had the first week worth of data released it had some some interesting conclusions uh sushi hulk is everywhere uh it has a very disproportionate win rate now obviously you know we have i believe the first set had about 150 games in so you know it's hard to be too certain particularly with how broad a pool this data would be pulling from um and also, going first apparently is uh, is a big deal. It so, uh, it. so it'll be so interesting as we really get gone. more data. I,
3: honestly, I think that going first is definitely a Good, uh, like, quite the advantage, but I didn't expect it to be this wild. Yes, yes, yeah. it's,
2: it's,
1: I think it's also something like 40% win it's rate, it's 40.37% like
2: win rate over 161 games for a player in the first seat, which is like sort of ridiculous. Yeah,
1: so I think, I think drawing strong conclusions from the first week is probably not the greatest idea, but I'm interested both when we get more data, a few things will happen. First, we can draw stronger conclusions about the stuff we're already seeing, yes. but also. When we have enough, we could potentially um, start slicing things, uh, you know, along multiple axes as well. Like one of the questions I was interested in, because uh, one of the other things you report is game length, how many turns it lasted. One of the other things I was interested in is are these turn or first player wins? Uh, is that advantage mostly just in short games, or does it actually persist? You know, if your game ends on turn nine, does it matter who went first, or is it only you know they untap on turn three and everyone mm. else was greedy and tapped out on turn two and then they won kind of deal so you know it'll be interesting yeah.
0: i'd also yeah i'd also be interested to see you know based off that kind of short game uh idea and like quick wins whether or not you know sushi hulk going first gets a much bigger advantage than other yeah. decks because yeah r- relative to advantage is definitely fast, something that yeah.
2: i want to look into if we ad- ever end up with enough data on this because it's something that like we it's really hard to analyze even like subjectively like even playing a deck um so i'd like to see like some amount of actual real data on that and see if like there are some decks that benefit from certain seedings more than others
0: right on okay so main topic and that is meta technology so the best place to start is with a definition so uh, Matt, I think you have a, uh, a definition you want to you wanna read out for us for what yes. what is
3: tech exactly. This is coming right off of mtg.gamepedia.com. So, you know, everyone's favorite source <laughs> of magic. <laughs> for magic everything, right? Infos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is actually a good description. So, a previously undiscovered improvement to an existing strategy, deck, or archetype, a card, or use of a card, which is an improvement on deck building technology and the current metagame. That's just the first sentence. There is more to it, but yeah, that's a good description. That's pretty good.
0: I I think there's some important things that are that we can highlight. So there's, you know, the undiscovered aspect.
1: I think, and then there's
0: this specific metagame aspect as well.
1: I think the last sentence of this definition is also a good one, which is tech cards are frequently advantageous in specific scenarios and are thus included in response to expectations of the metagame.
0: Mm, yes, yeah. that's really good. Especially yeah, as, as it pertains to the portion about specific metas, because not all tech and and the way people use the word tech is about, you know, undiscovered cards and strategies and things like that. Uh, a lot of thing, a lot of the time you'll hear people say, I'm just going to tech my deck against the meta and they're not they're not saying you know oh you know i'm going to go through scryfall and search through a million different cards until i find one that no one's ever seen before and you know bust the meta wide open
2: it's not even it's not even to necessarily improve matchups it's just i'm just gonna find unknown cards to put in my deck against this meta Uh,
0: yeah no a lot of times it is it is using known cards um and known answers but it's just the way that people talk about it in terms of uh combating the meta with specific card choices
2: yeah so and I'd, actually I'd, i i would like to say uh more than combating like the meta um specifically like combating a meta right
1: like yeah, a lot of the time yeah.
2: like technology will be you're targeting a specific meta that you have in mind
0: so we're we're, we're kind of uh getting ahead of ourselves here so let's let's more precisely pin down what motivates tech. Because we're kind of we're kind of already jumping into this, so let's let's just kind of lay it out more formally. Reed, do yeah, you wanna sure.
2: just carry on? Yeah. Um so like basically like tech is sort of motivated by um realizing that there are cards in your deck that while they might be good in like a base list, you know, um like certain types of removal, certain piece of interaction that kind of stuff, Um, you realize over time or like doing analysis and realize that you don't um, like them or that they are suboptimal in a given metagame, you're playing like you're playing against a lot of decks where this interaction isn't particularly useful or uh, you're not getting a lot of use out of this card and you are just looking for cards to slot in in those spaces that just like make more sense against the decks that you're playing against. Or you anticipate yes. you're going to be playing against
0: some cards are absurdly weak against uh, particular strategies, right? Like maybe a uh, a Jund player doesn't want to a Jund player in Modern might not want to you know be running all of these Dark Confidants if they're just running into burn all the time and you know the life loss can really add up, yeah, or something like that. I don't play that. I don't play modern, so maybe maybe Dark Confidant is, is secretly amazing. But who knows? More, maybe don't play or, Blue
2: Blast and Commander, or like yeah. or like you're playing like a Blue Eye Control deck, and Tron's carning you and oggining you every game, and you have like a deck full of like Fourth Supreme Verdicts, and you're just like, well, these aren't doing anything. I should probably. Yes, switch much these much out more something, clear. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but I think there's also there's maybe also... don't play
3: creatureless Elsha if everyone's on Timna. <laughs>
1: There's also the opportunity, like, that's sort of teching cards out of your deck, but there is also the opportunity to tech cards in, yes. where you have something you have something that's fine against all metas, like it's just, this card's okay, um, and it's not particularly weak, but you go, okay, this card that isn't normally in the list is very strong in my meta, so I'm going to take out just kind of a generic, you know, maybe it's like the weakest counterspell in your deck, or the weakest cantrip, or something like that. To put in a, a card that you think will be extremely effective in combating whatever it is that you see. Like, if, so you right,
0: if you want to keep the modern analogies going, you can look at uh, things like Obstinate Baeloth versus Nullhide Ferox. In terms of, you know, Nullhide Ferox is better against something like Jund than Obstinate Baeloth. Whereas Obstinate Baeloth is much better against things like Burn, while still being good against... Uh, jund. So if you're teching really specifically for jund, because you know you're at your LGS and for whatever reason all these people are running around with their fifteen hundred dollar jund decks, uh, you know, maybe you're gonna run your uh your your null hide Feroxes in the side. But if you're worried about burn, you're gonna go with something like Obstin Baloth, whereas there these are cards that, you know, could be seeing play in your sideboard anyway and you're not really taking out anything specifically because it's bad in your meta like morgan was saying but just to kind of be a silver bullet for this kind of matchup
2: yeah and i would like to say actually that like the stuff that we're talking about here um in the context of like 1v1 formats tends to be uh in the sideboard Uh, meta Mm -hmm. technology typically tends to show up in the sideboard in 1v1 formats because you Have the two other games, or theoretically two other games, at least one other game, to put that into effect, and you can sort of afford to play a generalist main deck. Um, When we talk about meta tech, or meta technology, meta tech, whatever, tech, in the context of EDH, it's really more about, like, tuning a main deck to combat a perceived meta. Because, again, no sideboards. Usually best-of-one games. And matches. Um, yeah, and that
3: yeah. usually that means that like it's useful outside of, it's kind of intended tech, um, situation. Yeah, you- like it has some additional either whatever mode or you know it can be used for value, even if it's weak. Like it, the fact that you know it it's present in your deck means that um, you do have this you know possible blowout.
0: By the way, take a shot every time we say tech
1: or meta in this episode
2: uh, we take uh, no legal responsibility no yeah don't
1: do that because we still want to have an audience when we're done with this episode <laughs> yeah
3: eat a piece of spicy sushi salmon sushi if we say Hulk
2: oh god well we that's one plate. alcohol um, um yeah but yeah, yeah, so, so I think
0: that pretty much covers what motivates tech.
2: Yeah, it's really right? like in the broadest, one of two things. Sense, it's either yeah. like you, there's a card, and it's the same thing that like motivates you to sideboard cards out and in, in 1v1 formats. Which is sort of yeah. what I was trying to get to, is um, like it's either the card in your deck is bad in this matchup, and you just need something to fill the space. Uh, and you reach for something to fill in that space, or there's something that you could add that you really want to add, and you just need to take something out to put that card in.
0: Yeah. So, what makes a good piece of tech? Because you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to tech against you know in one v one against burn, there's all kinds of different life cards you could put in your life gain cards you could put in your sideboard. You, you could put player. in you know the one mana white gain three life. It's
2: like, mm, Did you, just, don't for, think that's did you the... just forget the name of Healing Self? <laughs> My good I, sir. Okay, I was going
0: to say Healing Self, but I wasn't <laughs> is, confident. So is, I... <laughs> that
2: is part of the boon cycle, how you know? One of the most OP, on average, <laughs> cycles of cards I've <laughs> ever heard of. <laughs> Why'd nice. you have to call me out, man? See, I was going to say Healing Cell, but I figured it would look more embarrassing if I guess if I got
0: it wrong, but I, I guess now I've got egg on my face. But whatever. That aside, you know, gaining three life is not necessarily going to be the best card to tech in in that kind of matchup. Whereas, you know, something like a Kitchen Finks that gains, you know, two life on ETB and it's and two bodies for blockers. Guides. Yeah.
4: Mm.
1: Well, so like, I think, I think a better example would be Like, uh, Healing Salve is just not a good card. But (laughs) if you look at something like uh, Life Goes On, which is you gain four life if a creature died this turn, you gain eight life instead, instant, for a single green mana. Like, gaining eight life for one mana is very efficient in Modern against Burn, but only against Burn, right? So, So Kitchen Finks, as an example, it doesn't gain you as much life, but there are other matchups where you would also conceivably...
0: Want it. I'll have you know that Life Goes On is a modern playable card. Okay. <laughs> Staple as one-of- in the Neo branch deck. Okay. And
2: <laughs> Got there. Yeah, but like, so as Morgan was getting at, um, one of one of the good qualities for um when you're looking at Introducing Meditech into a deck is a card that's like generally good at combating a variety of uh, situations or opposing decks. Right? You don't want a card that's like fine at like combating something, but it can only combat the one thing. Right? Mm -hmm. You you one of the things that you're looking for is a card that has wide applicability and is like fairly good against all those things. And while it might be bad against Things that aren't in the meta. Um, you're you're looking for cards that are applicable against like as many things in the meta that you're looking at as possible. Um, so to leyline of the void against both the uh, storm
0: in terms of stopping their pass and flame stuff, and then also good against dredge, that kind of thing. So the well, more and, yeah, the more to, axes you can, or the more decks sorry you can. I mean, it, that's only attacking on a single axis. Yeah,
2: but, and to, yeah, and to put it into context of um like EDH and C D H um cards like this would uh, be like historically like rule of law effects or something like this as like a defensive option Um, uh, nowadays uh, something like a grafter's cage is really nice in this role because it hits Hulk decks sorry that's a shot Uh, hits Kess decks it hits uh, like green decks that actually want to like be pulling stuff out of like creatures out of their deck consistently with uh, like to board tutors that kind of stuff um it's like yeah, Divergent so Polymorph.
0: Okay, yeah, so we're we're starting off jumping in right into perhaps the best tech piece in all of CEDH. <laughs> well, with yes. Uh, cage. Yes. Yeah, so the, the reason why, okay. you know, sorry for talking about 1v1 so much and, and giving up all these examples, but I think it's important to understand that the 1v1 examples are the very easy base case uh, for these kind of 1v1 matchups, whereas in CEDH and EDH generally you're facing three players and you know the the very wide meta and and so knowing what you're gonna face is is challenging and trying to balance your tech choices for to make sure that they're not just silver bullets against one deck or you know maybe you should be silver bullet against one deck because it's a poor matchup there's all kinds of complicated factors that go into cdh so we just figured we'd start off nice and simple with the yeah especially because in
1: cdh teching is like a like in modern for example you will often see sort of more silver bullet tech where it's like this card just destroys a matchup but because in cdh you don't have a sideboard you have to put that card in your main deck or you're not running it so it's a bigger commitment which is why you generally want to look for more broadly applicable stuff. Yeah. And also, so just, that you don't just have a dead card in your deck, you know, half the time.
2: Yeah. And, and also, just generally, because, um, also because you're in a pod with three other players instead of one other player. So, um, like focusing on, uh, hating one strategy is on average just like less valuable than it would be in a one v one format. What are you as well as,
1: about? extract is <laughs> a
2: staple. As well as, as well as the <laughs> fact that, um, when you're talking about cdh even though like decks are very refined and everything's very powerful um strategies in general tend to be less focused um there there's a lot of homogeneity and a lot of how like certain like a lot like a lot how a lot of uh, top level strategies function at their base at their core um so it's it's harder to like it's sort of harder to like shut like something down specifically, like super like, bullets don't yeah. exist to the same degree yes. where yes. the whole deck it's just basically doesn't the point. function because yeah. you have a card yes. in play. There, there's a yeah. wider variety of things happening.
0: Although at the same time, there is there by by nature of uh, of being a multiplayer format, if you if you take a look, you know if you're if you're being more abstract and how you look at win cons and and you know core deck strategies and synergies, there are some trends that are fairly consistent among all cdh decks that you don't see among all modern decks right the the difference between uh oko urza deck before you know oko up and and a burn deck very very different whereas uh a food chain deck and a gitrog monster deck mm, they're different for sure but you know almost all decks in cdh are trying to go infinite in some capacity uh I mean, now with with console, that's the one sort of archetype that's sitting in its own little area, playing in a little sandbox on its own, not going infinite to win the game. But that's why Rule of Law, as Reed brought up earlier, is so strong as a generic kind of hate piece in CDH, or at least it was for a long time. It's because, you know, casting multiple spells in a turn is something that almost all CDH decks were doing.
2: And even... Even getting away, well, yeah, I'll, I'll get into this a bit. We'll, we can cover this a bit later, um, but also um, not just hate pieces, but also things like, say, uh, Compost is an example of this, where while it's not, like, great, generally, I'd say, like, the uh, general C.J. Um, Tomato, if you're expecting the black decks for it, and, like, that's a fairly wide range of, like, strategies and decks, right? Um, like that's also a good idea, and it's not like a stacks piece. It's just something that puts you further ahead, and you can make that call if you are expecting to see enough.
3: Yeah, tech isn't just about interaction. Like you can like in the case of compost, tech is at, can be like a value engine.
2: Yeah, or even or even um, like different uh, types of combos, or like like sort of like swapping out combo pieces, or even just like going harder into combo pieces
0: yeah well well in terms of yes. compost certainly is is a a tech option when you are when you're saying something like you know oh, it's not going to directly win you the game or stop your opponent from winning the game well with ristic study remora and in all these massive draw effects you know when your opponents are casting spells it's a well-known fact that the more the more you're allowing your opponents to draw from these the higher their win percentages get i mean it's not that hard to figure out why, right? You let them resolve an add-on it's going to get 30 cards into their hand. You've just got all these options. No, never. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're doing it all at once or uh, you know across two turns because you're you're hammering out all these spells, you're going to give them a massive advantage. So things like Compost, while they're not as generally ap- applicable as Remora and ristic Study, if you get them to be completely turned on from your opponents casting Black Spells, Demonic Tutors, Vampiric Tutors all the time, then you are going to be very far ahead
1: compost and playing against the get rug monster name a more iconic duo <laughs> you know
3: at one point Facts. remora was a tech option
2: <laughs> was it
3: <laughs> there was one point where some guy brought remora to their or some person brought remora to their play group and they're like oh my gosh <laughs>
1: yeah it's all bad
2: now i miss those days
1: well but like i think another card that now is certainly considered a staple but you know might not actually be a staple in all metas at all times is the equally powerful one mana enchantment carpet of flowers right like we're we're assuming that you'll have islands and like even if it generates one mana a turn that's typically good enough um but like sometimes you can't actually count on your opponents having islands in play
4: Mm -hmm. in
1: in certain metas like i've you know i've talked to a few people who went like There's one other blue player and they're playing, you know, a budget mana base so they don't have fetches. They're just playing a bunch of, like, rainbow lands and and various different dual lands. You know, a lot of games, there's not an island in play and then I play it and then there's definitely not going to be an island in play. So, like, it is conceivable that you do actually cut carpet if you don't find the islands that you need to see.
0: So I think it might be no, useful because we're touching on all these different types yeah. of uh, of tech. Let's let's try to get some definitive categories. Yeah. So we've got we've got like silver bullet hate, where you're trying to hate on a particular strategy that they're using to win the game. And and silver, uh, there's silver like, bullet
2: in this context meaning a card that is very targeted, like very precise hate for a specific strategy that does not exactly have applicability outside of uh that use right you're you're just looking at shutting down exactly one thing it'll often say can't on it
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah uh containment priest uh graf diggers cage those are some really strong examples uh whereas you know Aven mind sensor well it's a hate piece definitely not silver bullet tutoring is something that every deck yeah. wants to do so that, that's that's just a something that
2: good card. you sort of it when you get to a point where people are tutoring enough and have maybe tutor based combos and combos that require tutoring to go to work um like it's a good card that then gets pushed into well I can now play this and play it profitably right
0: yeah so there's there's the silver bullet hate pieces that hate on wind conditions so yeah graph cage and then there's stuff that hates on you know maybe wind conditions as well as value engines so it's almost like the reverse compost where you're shutting off your opponent's value engine. So a great example is Rest in Peace and Get Rock Monster, where not only are you shutting off their ability to win the game, you're also shutting off their ability to draw cards. So they're just sacking lands for nothing. Uh, Notion or, Thief is one where yeah. it's it's like the it's not covering both categories. So it's not shutting off the Get Rock Monster's ability to win, but it is only shutting off their ability to to gain value from drawing cards. So there's some subtle definitions in terms of, you know, hate pieces, whether or not you're you're targeting their win or their value engine, but they're generally falling under the
3: same category. I think this hasn't necessarily been mentioned, but um it's kind of another category, and I apologize in advance, um, which is like tech decks, where like certain <laughs> decks have kind of been are kind of meant to tech against the metagame as like the skateboards. Like, just like the skateboards. <laughs> just like
2: the mini screwdrivers they give Dude, you. Just the, oh my um, god, my tech tie's gonna grind all over this pod. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. What? Uh, but yeah, beta, strategies beta
3: that dual? like... <laughs> <just> <laughs> is I made the joke, but there is yeah. a point, which is like, yeah, certain strategies that um, don't fold to... The the like traditional interaction that is found in other decks. I think that technically counts as like a tech strategy.
2: Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. I'm th- um, going like, say, playing um, a creature based combo, like solely creature based combo in a blue heavy meadow where it's less likely that they're going to be able to like have the counter spell for a creature to like darkside team or saber tooth. Right. Um, like it's it's a lot harder to counter a Dockside or a Team Receiver Tooth than it is to counter an Ad nauseum or a Flash, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then, so carrying on in terms of categories in Silver Bullets, uh, we were talking about in uh, hating on particular strategies, those were more permanent-based effects, and I don't know if it's worth putting these in their own category, or. but what what about things like Extrapate? Where you're trying to shut down someone's get rug monster combo or their shuffle hole combo, uh, you know, before those Throw decks back. died and became casual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: What is this, 2019?
3: Uh, don't remind me. Sort of. Yeah. God.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so do you think, do you think cards like extirpate belong in their own category or would they fall under this, this I think, category I think that we previously defined? I
2: think specifically probably falls under silver, silver bullet for me. Um,
3: Okay. Yeah, I think there's a set of really strong yeah, ones an that anti-window. are like well costed yes. that kind of just count as good tech because of how well they're costed.
1: Think about and how hard they are paint, to interrupt. Extra paint lets you dunk on people's top deck tutors. Yeah. Get
2: I think I think um like something that's probably more <laughs> applicable to that kind of tech, um where like not really permanent based is like potentially something like submerge. Where the you have like fairly yeah. you get fairly high value out of it, and it can stop a lot of combos um from zero mana, which is not typically expected um if say they've mm-hmm. already resolved a combo piece um but you you sort of have to wait until it's I feel like people are definitely playing enough forests and people are playing the creature based combos that it nabs right and it's so also, then
1: it's
0: also not what like category a, would you what, what kind of category would you call that? For that, for that card,
2: I, like a, it's it's sort of hard to define for me. I I feel like it's um sort of its own like interaction category. Like, there's definitely I think there's definitely like one shot interaction. Card there's like one shot like <laughs> interaction that works a lot better into certain metas than it does in others, right? Okay. Like meltdown, Morgan, did meltdown did is one of those things as well, right?
1: Oh, meltdown is a great yeah. card. Yeah, I was also I was also thinking about like tacking in extra. Um, sweeper effects, which is something that you, yeah. something like that you that you might want to do in a deck like Kess. You know, you have your two or three base sweepers, but then you could put in extras if you were, and like where it's only good if you're actually consistently seeing enough creatures that you want to see one or sometimes multiple sweepers in a game, um, and like the meta has there to. There we be go. Pretty so dense, we got
0: it's it's be, uh. Strategy silver bullet hate, and then there's a uh, removal based hate tech. That's good. There we go. It's working. It's all come together now.
2: <laughs> I mean, so I mean, think the the other one. I think the other one is also just stuff that you play um, to take advantage and like put just solely yeah, proactive, stuff, solely like compost. solely proactive stuff. But even more so proactive than compost. Um, stuff like reap specifically, where oh, reap doesn't, reap doesn't yeah, even necessarily tax your opponents. I don't like I don't think like somebody having a reap in their deck really ever affects your chances of casting a Timary a get rog monster or like yeah, a dark it's component. in your
1: card hand. and it never works
2: <laughs> but <What>? but <clears throat> when it's turned on, it's this like hugely impactful proactive spell, right that like just puts you like doesn't necessarily actually do anything to your opponents but put but just like increases the power and sometimes consistency of your strategy more when you can correctly identify a place to play it, right.
1: Okay. As a slight aside, what's the most anyone here has ever seen anyone get off a reap?
2: I've seen three. I've seen three. Okay.
1: No, I don't I think I've don't ever think seen, I've seen three. more than two. I've seen mostly one, with the occasional two. So the card okay. just seems so unimpressive. <laughs> we, we
2: can get we can get sidetracked here for a second, but I I still personally feel like instant speed regrowth is like far and away playable enough to put in a lot of decks like most decks
3: i mean the problem is and it certainly counts as tech like whether it's been seen as a tech card in any meta in any format is a different question
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i think i think that's a pretty good thing to to put a you know bow on for categories of tech uh and there's one one last point under what makes good tech that that uh who 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 put this down oh yeah i can speak to that that's, that's so, matt as you um okay.
3: yeah so this is kind of the category of like subtle slash underestimated tech um and i have kind of a funny example uh which is winds of rebuke and like as morgan kind of mentioned like the stuff top deck tutors uh and which also kind of just has a very good um effect by itself and kind of could work into um combos as well
1: yeah, there's definitely some combos that bounce spells are are really good against. Yeah. Like, obviously, Scepter is, like, the, the ceiling of that. But even, um, often, Food Chain doesn't have the mana to recast Food Chain when they start going off. And just bouncing Food
2: Chain is, is pretty yeah. good. That's so tragic when they have just so much creature mana. Just as much creature mana as you could ever want in the world, but nothing to cast a Food Chain with.
1: Or even like um, strategies that involve reanimation, or like the reanimation enchantments.
2: Yeah. Well, or well,
1: you don't instantly lose.
2: Like specific, it doesn't work super specific, well against like specifically Razzicaid, bouncing but, the reanimation target, though, right? Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Okay, so we've decided <laughs> that that we know all the great cards we want to tech into our deck. We've got all these different categories. I mean, we haven't really justified which categories you should be putting in at any given time for a given meta. And honestly, I don't think there's a hard and fast set of rules to do this. I think it really this kind of evaluation. Just comes
2: with like playtesting and experience, right? Like it, it's, it's sort of just like magic and like... They've, it's always said that like sideboarding is one of the most difficult things to learn in constructed magic, right? Yeah, it's just like it's yeah, how it, about mainboarding and commander? like even <laughs> even even if you're even if you just enter a tournament and somebody like already assembled your sideboard for you. It's already hard enough to know what factors go into like swapping cards out and like what cards you swap out, what cards you swap in, how many of the cards that you're swapping in you should be putting in, like how being on the play and draw affects that, um, all that kind of stuff, and like that's not even talking about assembling the sideboard, which is basically like this is sort of like teching in CDH is all that rolled into one, so it's almost never, I don't think, an art that you can master. But it's just something that you can, like, put time into and, like, just be get acquainted with as many cards as possible, right?
1: And, like, it's yeah. it's, it's also one card in a hundred, which means the effect is often very subtle. Unless yes. you're actively tutoring for the card all the time, it's really hard to evaluate actually how effective something was. Because I think if you're in a
3: pinch, like, if you really have to tech and you have a tech card in mind... Just take out like your worst one for one effect, because obviously I mean, that's
1: pretty like, good advice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's definitely a like, decent baseline. Uh, but
0: one thing, it'd be it'd be great if there was a resource or something <laughs> yeah. that just a list of of, of meta tech cards. Uh, I mean, lots of people have like them forms. in their primers, and they'll they'll do this. But there's no like kind of compendium for you know. Oh, if you're trying to hate on Hulk, these are all the Hulk hate pieces you should consider teching in, uh, and and you know going on for each different archetype or strategy. So yeah. unfortunately, such a resource doesn't exist, so we can't direct you to that. And this podcast is not a great medium for uh, uh, that kind of that kind of resource. So we'll we'll just have to you know call it there and say go read some primers, go go on Scryfall, go look at lots of the meta decks, yeah, and infer what is appropriate or you know go on dedicated deck servers and ask how to tech your deck for specific methods. oh my god just go uh, go on to
2: dedicated deck servers and ask what the spiciest tech that people are playing is and just get bombarded with just garbage cards <laughs> <laughs> and then test some of them Honestly, and like, see if they're actually playable <laughs> a surprising resource for good tech
3: is um those like low either low color or like tier two just zealot deck builders who Kind of just have to put good tech cards in for their decks to win yeah like, oh, know, that's I, true I, yeah 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 so like honestly like kind of just poking around the fringe like tier 2 area will actually reveal a lot of good tech um,
0: don't look don't it, yeah, yeah don't look at sushi hulk for this kind of thing sushi hulk can just win even if the deck is you know <laughs> hey man you, you, you mess up like five different card <laughs> hey choices man. and run just like suboptimal choices tech's gonna win anyway so go go find someone who needs to really struggle to win to find that Super spicy. And also, top
1: secret yeah. tech. And also finding someone who needs to struggle to find good cards to fill out their deck. Like, that's yeah, that's, that's
2: a big one, actually. A lot of. I basically cut my teeth on finding hot tech on trying for to make alls work just right. because there's so. And you never there's, got there. There's just not enough playable <laughs> cards in black green for Hulk <laughs> that you can make up a 100. So you just. You're forced to find. Like just cards that you would never, in any other case, ever play, but you sort of have to. By the way, my favorite of those, Sinister Concoction.
0: That's hot. I, I That's appreciated hot. that yeah. when I was it's looking at overalls. Yeah, I had that um, in
1: Muldrotha for a bit.
0: But yes, yeah, so you found your tech uh, because you bugged bogged all the people in these deck servers, and you, you know, maybe found someone. Someone has gone and uh, who, someone ambitious has gone and made this resource that we, that doesn't exist yet. So you, you've got the, <laughs> the tech cards that you want to put in your deck, but how do you decide what to take out? Hmm. hmm. Who wants to start on this one?
1: So, I mean, the the first thing you can look at is, are there sort of more tech choices in the deck already that you might want to take out? Like, are you, you running to
0: swap techs?
1: Yeah. You, so that's one thing you can do is you can just swap, you know, your your artifact hate piece. You're going, oh, there's a collector roof in this deck. Um, but I pretty much never see any deck that's really relying on artifacts. So maybe I'll swap that out for whatever it is I want to put in. Um, so that's like one of the first things you could look at. Um, but then when you... Assuming you don't have that, because that's somewhat more obvious. Uh, then you start looking at, you know... Think about your different card categories and which cards in those categories are stronger and weaker and um, you know, how important it is to maintain the density on those categories. So, you know, Matt said your worst one-for-one cards, that could be a counterspell removal. It could also be um, your weakest acceleration card, like maybe the weakest dork in your deck, you know, Avacyn's Pilgrim can probably go from a lot of decks if you really need the slot.
2: I could get um, get Arboralf out of there. Just. <laughs> I'm so close to
3: taking out uh, Avacyn's Pilgrim, man. <laughs> 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 so Dread, well, one that thing I also <laughs> want to
0: mention about uh, Morgan's point uh, regarding like, you know, Null Rod and stuff is that often... You, you can't have a deck that's over Because if you're, you're like, oh, you know, what if I run into this artifact meta? I'm going to swap, I'm going to put in Collector Roof and Null Rod. Oh, but what if I'm also running into Graveyards? I'm going to put Rest in Peace and, and all this stuff. And your deck becomes bloated with cards that are not going to be good in a particular matchup or meta. So you really do want to focus on the meta that you're expecting or that you are seeing. And try to tech for that meta so that you don't, you know, undermine your own core game plan. Yeah, that's just
2: my yeah, little two cents there. And, and, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go for it.
1: So I just, the one other thing I wanted to say was like, you know, I was talking about card categories and I mentioned Abacin's Pilgrim. It is important to understand the deck that you have when you make these decisions. As an example, one of the things I see a ton of people say is, oh, just cut the, like, cut the weak dorks from food chain and like in a deck like food chain the dorks are absolutely critical and you certainly shouldn't be cutting them um which may not be true of something like flash all like thrasy's team to flash all where like the dorks are obviously good but you know having you don't need having them in play doesn't directly isn't like a requirement for you winning or doesn't make it substantially easier for you to win in the way that it does in something like Food Chain. So just be careful that you're not taking sort of generalized advice and applying it to a specific case where it may not actually be appropriate.
2: Yeah, it's sort of, to continue the analogy for 1v1 formats even further, it's just, you have to be careful continuously not to oversideboard, which is a huge issue. It's just like, once you start interrupting your own engine, um, you're probably going too far on teching right like you just yeah basically reiterating what everybody else has said but again like when i started
1: playing modern i'd sideboard in like eight (laughs) cards every game This 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 is this
2: is consistent uh like across pretty much every constructed format um just yeah like you just you don't put in too many hate cards at a time because you need to keep the core of your deck functional and intact so you just to keep that in mind when you're Teching and altering decks, right?
0: Yeah, and and so so these we gave some solid advice, you know, Avacyn's Pilgrim or like the, your worst your worst acceleration piece, your worst one for one piece of removal for for finding like a quick and dirty slot to test tech, but finding a long term spot for for these kinds of things is not it's not always a quick and dirty rule like that, right? And so it, it's it's not going to be that your Avacyn's Pilgrim or your, uh, you know, Nature's Claim is the go-to flex slot to remove every time. Sometimes it's appropriate, like as we were talking about uh, much earlier in the episode, you know, about cards that were bad against Burn if you're playing Jund. There are certain cards that are going to be worse into the particular meta that you're trying to tech against, so you might want to reevaluate your assumptions on what is a staple in your deck, and consider those for removal instead of some of these, you know, following the rules that we put forth.
2: Yeah. and To be clear, this is like if you go around touting that you're cutting staples in deck discords, this is probably going to get you into hot water. <laughs> but but in general, yeah, you, you're going to like when you have to make cuts for meta tech and new cards in general, just anything that you need to fit into a deck make sure to dedicate some amount of time to checking that the cards that you take for granted as these are always in this deck are actually still cards that should always be in the deck um do you have any good examples? uh, I think um, for my personal experience um, I had, uh, this is when Shuffle still existed, Rip all that stuff when I was trying to make space and uh, shuffle for both tournament teching um, I would tend at uh, with shuffle to tech into um, Like anti stacks and more like mass removal for tournaments personally because I would expect you know just like random stacks decks So like trying to fit in a psych and a force of vigor and a like natural state into a very tight list already was sort of difficult and some of the times I would actually um, over time, start flexing out slots that were considered to be core, but it actually, like, would work out fairly well. So the, like, base example is, like, flexing out a Summer's Pact in a Flash Hulk deck. Which, like, sort of sounds insane, right? Because it's just the second copy of Hulk. Um, but, and it, it was something that, like, I would... It, it's something that, like, at the time... I just took for granted as this is just part of the 98 that doesn't get taken out ever this is just like it's just too good there's no reason I would ever cut this card but when it came to making slots I realized that it was actually something that was removable and didn't fully mess with my like game plan uh, that much and that like it in for like short stints it was feasible to strip out this combo piece for more interaction right. So just like stuff like that.
0: Yeah, you can also you can also just take out cards that are, uh, it s- fills similar slots or fill similar purposes. Yes, uh, yeah, that's a big one. using using terminology that is, that's confusing. Yeah. yeah uh, so compost uh, is going to be a really strong corrective draw engine in the right meta. Uh, So if you are in that meta, you can maybe take out your worst draw engine, maybe take out a dark confidant or an oak adversary or whatever the appropriate worst slot for for card advantages in your deck. Because typically you don't want to throw off the ratio of acceleration, card advantage, core engine. Most of the time those are pretty refined in decks and you don't want to mess with those ratios too much, but...
1: Well, but I, I mean, staying I think, in slot
0: allows you to. I think people definitely avoid
1: that problem. Over, they put an overemphasis on that. Like it, yes, ideally, you know the ratios work the way the deck is, but you know you see it all the time, particularly with budget versions. It's like, oh well, I can't afford an imperial seal, so I'm going to play diabolic tutor. It's like, well, okay, let's. <laughs> You know, uh, obviously that's an extreme example, but it, yeah, and you, that's should, all you should, you should of make really sure to, you're not uh, cutting, you know, maybe you cut the, the third worst card in the deck to sort of maintain ratios, but you shouldn't be cutting the 23rd worst card in the deck because you're putting in a draw engine and it's a draw engine.
0: Yeah, but, like, for sure. But that it's really hard to give uh, a solid rule of thumb or, you know, solid procedure for arriving at those kinds of cuts. A lot of the time, it's based on experience and having the correct feeling about
1: cards. Yeah, but just don't, don't you know, cut a great card or like a good card or a card that performs well to maintain ratios is what I mean. Yeah, always like
2: yeah. Just if you if you want more of this effect, then it it can just be more of that effect. Uh, Like sort of similar examples, well, um, like regrowth for reap. (laughs) If you're already on regrowth and reap is playable in your meta that can just be a direct swap
0: yeah so we've got one last thing to talk about on this uh in this topic and that's going to be when should you just switch decks
2: yes because a you know, topic. We, we talked about
0: over teching and you know if you're i guess i guess it's sort of a form of over teching where you're trying to combat a specific meta because it's just, you know, a bad matchup for you or whatever. And you have to put in so much uh hate and tech to try and address what's going on that it just dilutes your deck into, you know, a garbage pile.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think another good example is like if your deck kind of just folds to too much of like the common tech, then it's. You can't really tech against tech, and you kind of get into that loop, and that's, I think, a good point to switch. Yeah, if
2: like, if people are, if you're, like, your meta is teching against you, <laughs> like, it, yeah. like... like if you yeah. if
3: you lose to both Curse Totem and Null Rod, uh,
1: maybe... <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, there's kind of, in, in the cards we've been discussing, there's sort of two broad categories, which is, like, bad into and good against... That aren't necessarily the same thing and like when your deck is you know when you put in a tech card that's good against something like that might be a graph digger's cage whereas you might take out something like rule of law that's bad into flash um and when your deck is just kind of bad into the stacks you're facing that might be uh that might be a good time to to yeah When,
2: when when you're looking at a deck and just being like well i need to strip out The cards that are bad against what people are playing against me, and that list of cards is like twenty cards. (laughs) Like it, it's probably like time to just rethink the strategy as a whole.
0: Yeah, you also just don't want to water down your your core strategy too much because your core strategy is what's keeping you afloat compared to like the generic meta. So if you're taking your Gitrog monster deck and you're being like, man uh sushi hulk is a menace i should really run all these different cards to tech against it which i mean maybe get rock monster is a bad example because there's not a lot you can <laughs> do to against yeah because you can you can maybe attack one axis but then you lose to the other uh so sushi in, in a way is like facing you know two decks so if you're watering down your core strategy you're going to end up in a worse position against something Like the generic console decks If you're running Leyline of the Void, Grafdigger's Cage Etc, uh, etc et um, So you don't want to be You don't want to fall into that trap But there's There's almost kind of a uh, A strange way to look at it In terms of If, you, if you're if you kind of lost In terms of being able to Tech against a, a deck Effectively or, or meta Sometimes no tech is appropriate Sometimes just optimizing your deck for linear speed, which I think Gitrog right now You know, I I, it's not great into the Sushi Hulk meta So, you know, we've joked on the Gitrog server about calling it just a a casual deck now, but there isn't I don't know if it's correct to uh, run graph diggers cage because consult is just so pervasive and you can be slowing yourself down in, it might just be correct to try and race.
2: And It's sort of connected to what I was going to, or sort of what I touched on earlier about um, uh, like teching into cards that give you an advantage um, and like, or like advance your own game plan rather than um, take away from uh, the rest tables game plans Mm -hmm. where sometimes it's not even necessarily like even as obvious as I'm playing this card that says for each black permanent or whenever a black card or whenever a green spell like not even like playing cards like that um, but more playing cards that like hey I probably need to be faster in this meta so I'm going to play like some of the worst tutors that I wouldn't be running normally. I'm going to pick up a couple more rituals that wouldn't normally be in this deck. Um, If I'm not already on, like, an Ad nauseum in this deck, like, maybe i just fit in an Ad nauseum into this deck to try to take advantage of that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, not even, like, linearly targeting, um, targeting, like, a specific attribute of the decks that you're playing against, but more... Targeting a weakness can also be an option.
1: Yeah, like teching so that you're not so that you have cards that are good against them, but just so that your overall strategy is more effective against whatever it is that they're doing.
2: Yeah, basically.
0: Okay, so... Does anyone have anything else to say about tech choices? Cause I feel like we've, we've covered it pretty good. Um, otherwise we can, we can move
1: on. I mean, I, I, you know, we've mentioned this before, but just, uh, I want to reiterate that one of the best ways to figure out how to tech is to talk to people, be that on Reddit, discord, wherever it is, you interact with people who play the deck that you play. Um, and some people will call you an idiot and that's fine uh don't be discouraged and um one of the other things is make sure you like if you ask specific questions you can often get an answer um you know whereas if you ask a more general question uh you might not so you know if you ask what card should i play to deal with whatever it is you're facing versus you know like how should i tech my deck or you know what card should i swap for this card <laughs> versus something more general, um, you know, you might get you might get better, better answers. Or if you just say, "I'm cutting this card," what should I put in in its place? Then you might get a better answer than if you just sort of ask something vague or broad.
2: Also, um, sort of extending on um, like asking people, um, just quickly, uh, asking people that play the decks that you're taking against can also be a great resource um I know like just like i've i think i've done this a couple of times but just um if you're not sure like how to target another deck just going into like if if you're having like problems with uh, like a cast deck just like going to like the Grixis is just going just be like hey, like i'm I'm in these color combinations or i'm on this commander like what can i do to make your life hell and I mean people will actually respond to that stuff
0: yeah, sometimes you you can get uh people might get misguided in terms of, you know, thinking that oh, uh Ashes of the Abhorrent is going to uh hate on this Hulk deck. But, you know, if you go and ask the Hulk server, "Hey, I I'm thinking of running Ashes of Abor- of the Abhorrent in my uh, you know, whatever deck. What do, what do you think about that?" They're going to say, "Uh, you know, that's not going to do anything to us, so go, go for it."
1: It <laughs> sounds like yeah. a great idea
0: yeah so that's a it's a great way to to check to make sure you aren't uh, going down any any unproductive routes. But yes, so that wraps it up for our core topic. And before we move on to gut check and listener questions, we decided it to be fun to each pick a piece of tech that is maybe under the radar or uh, something that we've been holding on to or unsure about and just throw it out there because maybe people might be interested or unaware of it. So, Reed, do you want to you wanna start off on this Sure, one? I'll,
2: I'll start us off on this one. Um, so this is one that I've sort of been, <laughs> I've had in the back of my mind for like a bit now, probably like a bit over a month, I'd say. Something like that. Um, and it's a piece of tech that I feel like Zer should probably be interested in. And to the best of my knowledge, I don't think any Xur pilots have picked up on it. Um, and the card that I'm talking about is called Metamorphic Alteration.
0: I have not heard of this card. Uh, metamorphic, and
2: I play Zer, met- so let's let's hear. Metamorphic Alteration is a card from M19, so fairly recent. Uh, it is a blue enchantment for one and a blue enchantment aura, enchant creature. As Metamorphic Alteration enters the battlefield, choose a creature. Enchanted creature is a copy of the chosen creature. So. Uh, I feel. I just feel like it's okay. Here, like here are the two main applications that I I think that this card can have. Okay, I think okay being able to fetch this off of Xur to enchant an opposing commander and like turn it into a mana dork is a pretty big deal because it basically turns it like into a removal spell that like they either like have to like ram their commander into somebody else's blocker depending on what you turn it into if depending on what you turn it into or have to have like a removal spell for this. And it's like sort of Okay. It's sort of like a Dark Steel mutation? Yeah. it's Sort of like a Dark Steel mutation. Um which like is not great on its own, but also has the application that you can like potentially like use it to like once you're down on enchantments and you don't really have much to fetch out, or just like any of the above, like you can swing, get this out, and then like turn Xur into like a Gitrog monster, or like turn Xur into like a Kess. <laughs> or like you can turn like a, a dark confident that you control into like a, a Thracios or a Timna or something like that.
1: <laughs>
4: and it's it's sort of, it's sort of like an, it's like an
2: on-demand P image <laughs> that you, you can, can fetch turn, with your
4: commander. Yeah,
1: turn the forbidden orchard spirit you got into <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Right. not not
0: sure if i'm completely sold or not but it's definitely spicy and yeah, worth considering t- that's definitely hot tech for sure and I, f- I feel like that's that's going to be the trend with all of these texts because it's <laughs> we tried to pick ones that were uh out there and not super obvious so it's probably going to be a sentiment that's echoed well, uh yeah.
3: yeah matt do you want to go next yeah i'll go next. Um, I think mine kind of triple checks off the box subtle slash underestimated and that's uh, tails end this card was talked about a lot with when Jace was printed um, but I think kind of fell under the radar and because you know I don't think it was actually very strong at that point but now that lab man is gone and it's just Oracle Hulk and Jace I think tails end checks all the boxes for me and is generically and can be used you know outside of just being a text. Yeah, because it does counter, counter really strong. Yeah, really strong commander counter spell.
0: Yeah, and I mean countering creatures is is no joke. So definitely, definitely interesting. Uh I'll I'll go with mine. And this one is like I don't know. I'm not this one I'm considering for my uh Fenza deck. So, you know, not not the don't have the, the most options available to me in Abzan. So one thing <laughs> one thing I've i found out from uh, just playtesting the deck is that silence effects are pretty good when you don't have counter magic. <laughs> so Ranger Captain of EOS uh, is something that you know you can use to to tutor uh, cost caustic caterpillar to destroy stuff or you know find Dorks, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's also very strong for sacrificing itself to stop your opponents on the turn you're trying to combo. Uh, I mean, also you can sac it to interfere with <laughs> combos,
1: but... That that's... card in Heliod, though? Wow. <laughs> it's a lot better when it finds Shrieking Drake.
0: It's a, it's, a, it's a hot card, but yeah, that's not my tech. That's not my tech choice. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to talk about, yeah, how silence effects are something that, that have grown on me. Now, in my search for more silence effects, I've looked at uh, bans. And that one's been interesting, but that's only target opponent. It does cantrip, though. Wait,
2: can I I try to call it? (laughs) Okay, no, no. I mean, I'm giving it it. away. It's basically giving away at this point. (laughs) Okay,
0: so for one and a white, the tech choice that I'm proposing is mandate of peace.
1: Is someone (laughs) clicking on the keyboard to look this up? You can only cast during combat. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Except it has another line of text that's not just silence and you can only cast it during combat. Go On
0: it ends the combat <laughs> phase, so it is a fog, uh, but yeah, most importantly is that it you can use this during your uh your combat to you know get a silence effect and then try and combo. Yeah, I, I'm it's gonna, I'm gonna test it, we'll see how it goes. What you didn't, even, you didn't you even mention
2: the best part about it though
3: denying.
0: Tim yeah, the draws? and denying,
2: <laughs> and denying zero.
3: <laughs> well, you didn't even you didn't even talk about the second best part. Uh, if they go to combat to cast their necromancy, boom. <laughs> <Just> get them. <laughs> get them.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that is sure. the big weakness with this card, which is that often people don't go to combat
2: before they attempt to win. That is yes. okay, Morgan. <laughs> all right, no need to. No, I'm just
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not gonna. It's hard I don't think they're gonna be printing another uh silence you know for one one mana not but that what same you can effect do again. So they
2: you hate, take what you you take what you if can If they hit you with a grob, you let you let them hit you with a grob, <laughs> and then they cast a tutor in response, and then you cast a mandator piece and exile the ability and the tutor.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, just Imperial Seal, you know, going to combat, attacking through Timna's is not too bad and I suppose like if you're really desperate So what you're saying is you should cast Mandative your tutors piece.
1: before attacks <laughs> To play around Mandate of Peace Got it <laughs> None of this tutor okay. in response to the draw trigger
0: Fun fact Mandate of Peace has a 5 out of 5 Community rating on Gatherer
1: <laughs> Oh yeah How many votes yeah. does it have Zero is that because they the card, disabled the, the voting system exiled. like four years ago? <laughs>
0: oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So Morgan, you're 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 up last. Uh, Miles what card. It's us. definitely
1: seen some discussion, um, because, like, well, it's it's just seen uh, it, it's, it it attacks a very o- like it's very obvious what it does and why people would want to play it, uh, and it's insight which is an enchantment for two and a blue blue that reads, whenever an opponent casts a green spell, draw Mm -hmm. a card. And if you look at a lot of the top end of competitive EDH decks, there's a fair number of green spells in them. Um, The reason I think it hasn't seen sort of the mass adoption that you might initially expect is that it's three mana, and often those green spells are cast on turn one and two. And then yeah. not so much later. So what I've been... I've been... I'm looking at adding it to Enala, which is a deck that actually wipes the board of dorks pretty regularly. Um, which means that it creates an incentive for people to play more dorks after. Um, but also talking about dorks, the other thing is that green spells in decks are often not actually that critical. So it's, a, it's easier than... Compared to Compost, it's much easier to decide not to cast green spells than black spells, as an example.
2: Yeah. Right
0: on.
1: But there is okay. just a ton of stuff that it hits.
0: So, getting close to the close of the episode, uh, we've got everyone's favorite segment, Gut Check.
2: you on Gut Check! <laughs> gut
0: Check. Okay, so keeping in theme with how often we've brought up uh modern and other 60 card formats, my gut check question for you guys is what is your favorite 60 card format?
1: Can't we go up off, off tiny leaders? Oh to... <laughs> 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 no, that's a 50 card format, right? Uh, I
2: have no yeah, clue. Man. Yes, it's a fifty card format because you can't make a hundred card decks in that format. <laughs>
1: Uh, were tiny leaders decks not just fifty cards? Anyway, uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I never they played that, have, actually, I, I, yeah. I know
2: for a fact that there is not a Kamigawa block pauper tiny leaders deck that you can put a hundred cards into. There just isn't <laughs> yeah, enough it's, cards to block. It's yeah. a fifty card format.
0: <laughs> okay, so what does anyone does anyone have their? You guys have your answers. I feel yeah, like yeah, This yeah, yeah. a pretty quick one. So yeah, I can go. Uh, Matt, Pioneer. you're first. Pioneer. Okay. Right on, respectable. Morgan?
1: Uh, I'm going to actually say uh, Frontier, and I know it's dead, but... No, like, like, I think think that (laughs) it it was actually... just had to be a hipster. No, I think it was actually a little bit more interesting, just, like, the... I mean, at the time that it was sort of proposed, there wasn't quite as much stuff, uh, you know, like, it was two or three years ago, so... A lot of the most powerful decks that have existed or have been banned out of Pioneer actually weren't possible. And then um, you didn't have the...
0: Wasn't that format just all, like, Siege Rhinos? Well, you didn't have uh,
1: Shocklands, so that definitely created, like, a different restriction on mm-hmm. deck building. Um. Yeah, and, like, I just, I remember, you know, looking at it at the time, and there was, like, a reasonably diverse metagame a bunch of different strategies there were combos there was aggro there was control um obviously it didn't get far enough to see what it you know where it would shake out when it was being refined and maybe that's why i liked it but
2: like maybe it's just you know settled for, for or uh, at one point it was Popper.
3: Oh, that's what I was expecting.
0: Because, oh, really? Okay.
2: It's not Popper uh, anymore? Just I can't I can't play Scred, Mystic Sanctuary, and Ephemerate in the same deck anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, my Muffin. life got a whole lot harder. I, I can see why things got... <laughs> <laughs> Which, I understand why I'm not allowed to do that anymore, but I'm sad that I can't. Um, Are you? What? Yeah. <laughs> Are you really sad that Astrolabe is gone? Yes. I mean, it needed to really? go, but I love that deck because it was so much fun to play and just crush with. Um, <laughs> uh, that being said, probably my current favorite format is like my default, which is Legacy. I don't really get to play Legacy much, but like Legacy is just like objectively a pretty great format, and I'm just like I think I just Legacy it a lot. is probably one of the most fun formats to yeah. watch. It is a great spectator. Morgan, format. you're.
3: You're being
0: serious when you were, you were Frontier. You weren't just trying to have it so that we all say different answers, right?
2: No, like, I genuinely...
1: Mm. Okay,
0: because really my we're we're now going to end it up where everyone has a different, different answer, because my favorite 60-card format is Modern. Yeah, I like yeah. Modern. Okay. I like,
3: wow, that actually blows my mind, because, like, I actually
1: hate Modern. <laughs> you know, it is not a great format right now. I really don't like Modern. <laughs> I like Modern the way I remember it from... There was a point where
2: it was good, right? <laughs> At one point, it was healthy. I like, can't yeah, remember when, but speaking, I remember it was.
0: <laughs> well, I just bought into Amulet Titan, and that deck appeals to me a lot. Yeah, Linden. So yeah, Lin- that Lin- cool just bought into Amulet
2: but- Titan, and he refuses to believe that Titan will ever get banned. <laughs> Shut your mouth! Shut your mouth!
0: <laughs> it's gonna be around forever and ever and ever. But I mean, yeah. Like <laughs> my first, my first modern deck was uh, fecundity goblins. Oh, gold dirty kitty, the dirty yeah. kitty legacy deck. Yeah, deck was sick. And then my next modern deck was uh, neo brand. That <laughs> I stopped playing that deck because it was just not a lot of fun for your opponents at the LGS when you're just sitting there and gold fishing, and games are over like two seconds. So nice to have a a solid top tier deck that's. Also a bit more interactive and actually playing magic. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. And before we close out the show, we have listener questions. And these are gonna be real quick. So uh Timothy 87 asks, What are y'all's favorite sleeves, deck box, deck boxes, etc.?
2: So I feel like we probably all have the same sleeve answer. Right? I don't know.
0: Katanas. <laughs>
2: Really?
3: I am on Katana's. Uh, yeah. I, Dragon Shield mats. I think dude, I think Dragon Shield mats are just like arts. the best
2: overall, unfortunately. I like I want to love Katana's, but like they're just like a bit too small. And then like Oh,
0: I think the 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 fact that they're small makes it so that they don't get that crinkle over time at the top.
3: I know that nothing beats the variety in uh color personalization uh-huh. that you can do with dragon shields
0: that's that's a shame yeah that i miss out i'm yeah. missing on that so i have to have lots of and they, and they colors.
3: consistently release new and they try new things like, I think Dragon Shield just kills it. And okay, do do,
0: do inner sleeves matter? I think we're Man, all Yeah, like, Perfect Hearts. It's perfect great.
3: Hearts.
0: Oh, I have so no, many no, options no, no, with
1: Dragon Shields, which is why the last, like, 30 packs of sleeves I bought have been matte red.
2: Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
3: okay, well, getting the same sleeve color does so, make a lot of sense.
2: So I agree that Perfect Hearts are the best, but I'm currently working through my backlog of KMC just Perfect Fits that aren't Perfect hards. Because yeah, I'm just I a fan have, of the the perfect fits, well, not the perfect It's mostly cards. because I have like half a case of them sitting around. Because <laughs> I went in on. I'm gonna be
1: honest. I have no idea how many sleeves that is. Could not
2: tell. Oh, uh, like five packs, like okay. of the inners. <laughs> That's not so. Give, give me some.
0: Give me some. I'm out of. I'm out of inners sleeves. Nope, I need them.
2: <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually at the point where I'm using inners as my trade sleeves now because I ran out of ultra pros and I don't want to buy more. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do, yeah, actually, yeah, I, yeah. Do I do actually. I do actually like the cards. Dragon, the Dragon Shield smokes as long as you don't have white bordered cards in your deck, because then they look terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and then deck like boxes. Uh, what do you guys? The, that's what I was gonna say.
3: Like, uh, with perfect cards, you
2: have to throw all your deck boxes out, because then your
3: <laughs> deck's fit into them anymore. I
2: think. I think my favorite deck box is a combination of the World of Warcraft trading card game <laughs> deck box that I have. Um, which then goes inside of a cardboard box, <laughs> which has okay, my, my,
0: I've got the, the realist deck box, deck box kit, you know, going around. So it's, it's, I use, uh, <laughs> okay. Boulders. Okay. Sure. I use, I use ultra pro boulders and then I stick them inside of the uh, archives and that is, that is peak. That is peak. Inside deck of box the Right what? there. The, uh, archives. Oh, okay. So those like uh yeah, they're meant to fit f- archives, uh four hundred yeah. card boulders or uh five sixty cards.
1: I have to admit I do have a soft spot for the classic eight hundred count BCW box. Dude, <laughs> but I'm currently I'm on love. I'm just on archives, no no inner deck box.
0: Okay. But the real answer for sleeves is it's the uh the fully sealable sleeves inside of a regular you know let's say dragon shield and then that is inside of the clear outer triple sleeve and then that's all of inside of a top loader and then those are all of inside another deck box which is inside of another deck box which is inside of a safe
1: mm. I actually just laminate See, yeah, the my one that, yeah, though, is, um,
2: yeah.
3: <laughs> feel them
2: forever I, I personally like to yeah. send my mm. decks in to get graded and then just play them <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: okay and then our our second uh question and this is our last one this comes from Kixar.
2: what is your favorite card art so i'm looking at this right now and Lyndon has like six so i'm gonna ask him to narrow it down to one
0: <laughs> i'm gonna narrow oh, it down dude. to four because can i do I'd, three <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: actually no really I, can, I can do this down to three so my three are one of them is three uh because they're they're all like a series oh of my old lands from my so like, you're not narrowing it like at all if you look at look at homelands or look at ice age uh, a lot of those lands that are that aren't playable have really nice arts so like timberline gorge uh ace and abbey and things like that beautiful arts not playable uh Good i also talk. really like right. uh, the Reed's turn. the food game <laughs> promo <laughs> the one with the, the tiger and uh, the dark depths uh, box topper from UMA. Okay. <laughs> Those are my favorite arts.
2: Um, I think my favorite and is pretty consistently has been my favorite since it was released. Uh, is Indication Days. It is a very very pretty card. Um, hate the border, but the art is fantastic. And I think like the art actually like won awards uh, the year that it was released. So objectively right. yeah, correct does not,
3: does, not, does not surprise me I, I, they did a playmat yep. for that yes, one they and did. it was really cool Yeah. too bad it, the bo- everything surrounding it is a mess Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so my,
1: my favorite art is uh, Theros Forest uh, 248 by Adam Paquette uh, and if you want it to not be literally just a basic land uh, I'd have to go with the classic answer of Gift Vorjova with the glass yeah, last Beautiful. yeah that's not that uh,
4: one
3: so I'm actually a lot you know more, more refined than these humans <laughs> um, uh, I judge a card by its art you know its frame its border its set symbol <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, <laughs> uh I think the Tempest counterspell has been historically my favorite looking card simply because I like blue cards that have red art like Force of Will. Um, but yeah. Tempest counterspell. And then my runner up, I think, is reaping the rewards. It's kind of like it's just like a four color card to me. Like it's red, it's blue, it's green. Uh, it's uh it's it's awesome. Dude, the counters
0: the Tempest Counterspell looks like the Emperor from Star Wars going. Yeah. Well, yeah! It does have that. Shooting, a, shooting the lightning out of his fingers. <laughs> it's my, It's like also those, my like, favorite version of counterspell. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. uh, that's it for listener questions, and that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod via our email, into the north at gmail.com, or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you, too, would like to become a Patreon, patron, we are at patreon.com slash IntoTheNorthPodcast. Thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music, to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo, and to our long-suffering podcast editor, Roadkill. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Bye. -bye. Have a good one.